Welcome to the Millennial Preacher Podcast with your host, myself, Ryan Roberts. Today is a very special day. I'm going to be interviewing Pastor Marty Derricott from Christ Fellowship Church, where they're hosting the North Georgia Revival, where they have seen over 6,000 baptisms, miracles, signs, and healings. It's going to be an incredible day, and I know you're ready, so let's get going. What is up, everyone, and welcome to the Millennial Preacher Podcast. Today is a very exciting day because I have with me the one and only Pastor Marty Derricott from Christ Fellowship Church, who is playing host to the North Georgia Revival, a true authentic move of God, where they have seen over 6,000 people baptized. It's going to be an incredible day. How are you, Pastor Marty? Uh, great, man. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Absolutely. So we're going to dive a little bit into about revival, what revival is. But first, I've got to ask you, how in the world did this happen? You are the executive pastor at Christ Fellowship Church, like I said in the introduction. Over 6,000 people baptize. You are literally the man in the water every single week baptizing these people. How in the world did this happen? Great question. Um, this revival was not birthed out of a um, couple of letters we throw on the marquee out front, this Revival wasn't put on the calendar. This revival um, was birthed out of uh, a desire to seek his face, not his hand, not what he can do for us, not what he can give us, but just a raw encounter of his face saying, God, you either have to move here or you have to move us. Uh, I think, Ryan, we just have to get to a place in our own lives and in our churches and in our ministries to where we, we take a step back and we look. And um, if, if, if all we see is great programs and great curriculum and, um, and great small groups and great things, then we've missed the whole point. You know, the king of glory wants to step back into his church. He wants to fellowship with his bride. He wants, mm -hmm. to, um, he wants to awaken his bride. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with small groups. There's nothing wrong with programs and curriculum. They only enhance what the Lord wants to do, but it has to be based off the foundation has to be um, that Jesus, we need you. We want you. We desire you. Nothing else matters. And then out of that, once he does move, then you implement all the small groups and curriculum and things like that. But we just got to a place, Ryan, where we said we are so hungry for a raw move of God mm -hmm. that that's the only thing that will satisfy us. Nothing else is going to matter until we see God move and we began to pray 21 days of prayer and fasting, much like, you know, churches all over the world start mm -hmm. their start their year off that way. But, you know, ours was a little bit different. We got to the place where we just said, you know what, we're not praying for things. We're not praying for growth numerically. We're not praying for anything like that. We're not trying to get people in seats. We're, we are uh, going to pray Second Chronicles 7.14. We are going to repent. We're going to get offense out of the way. <clears throat> and we're just going to ask the Lord to show up in power. And, and and be okay with whatever he wants to do and not be uh, not be um, taken aback by any kind of manifestations or any kind of um, thing like that. Because when God shows up, man, it's not going to look the way we think it's going to look. Right. So we just had to get ourselves out of the way, basically, and get to the place where we said, God, we want you more than we want anything in your hand. We want you. Just as Moses prayed, God, show us your glory. Mm -hmm. And he did February 2018. And he sat down in this place and, um, you know, he chose water, um, 
that that's another question, another answer, another story. But he chose water. Our baptismal pool is where he began to meet people in an incredible way and is still meeting people, you know, 15, 16 months later. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're right around 6,800 baptized in our waters so far. But, you know, he's here in the water. He's here in the pool. He's here in the He's here in the altar. He's here in the youth room and kids room and, you know, cafe. He's here outside the building when people are waiting in line for an hour and a half, two hours to get in the building. Wow. He's here. And so what it boils down to, we get asked that question all the time. How did it start? It started out of a hunger for his face and his glory and his presence above all. That's mm-hmm. it. Plain and simple. Wow. Absolutely incredible. So in my experience, when I talk to different people, and I tried to describe this move of God. I tried to describe revival. I always have the question, why is revival necessary? And keep in mind that some people listening to this are in different walks of life. You have different denominations. You have different, maybe even different religions listening. Why is revival a necessary part in the church today? Mm. It's a great thing about revival. It's, um, you know, number one, it's not religion-based. It's not based on denomination. It's not based on ministry experience. It's not based on whether you're called to preach or not called to preach. Mm-hmm. Or if you've been born again for, you know, 10 years or 50 years or if you've not even been born again. He, the Lord will sit down in a place due to that hunger. And when he does sit down in that place, wherever it is, mm-hmm. things shift, things change. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm fully persuaded that um, revival is not... An event on the calendar. Revival is the awakening of dead hearts mm-hmm. back to life again. And, um, you know, whether you're saved or unsaved, the Bible says all of us, everything that we do, every single one of us, not not one out of seven and a half billion people on planet Earth today or who's ever walked planet Earth, not one of us are sinless. Mm-hmm. There was only one sinless. There was only one spotless. His name is Jesus. And so it doesn't matter where we're at in our walk with the Lord or even if we have a walk. When he sits down in a place, it's it's authentic, it's genuine, mm-hmm. it's undeniable that it's him, right? Um, and so that's that's revival. He is he's awakening dead hearts back to life, and um, um, you know there's nothing there's nothing more powerful, I believe, nothing more greater than when the glory of God sits down and He begins to turn hearts who have drifted away from. Um, the saying that convicts me to now that offends me mm. that's that's revival it's turning the it's the mindset shift of you know things that offend me in my relationships things that offend me in America things that offend me in the world things that offend me in my church things that offend me at school we change that to that convicts me mm-hmm. that's what the lord does he doesn't condemn anybody he convicts absolutely any 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 kind of lays out that uh, here's here's the way, walk in it. And if you're not in this way and you're outside the guardrails of, of his provision and his protection and his perfect will, mm-hmm. then he's not saying, you know, how dare you, you wretched thing. He's, he's <laughs> calling and compelling us to come get back inside those guardrails, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, to get back on the path that he created for us. And, and that's revival. It's not, it's not some uh, spooky, fruity, you know, swinging from the chandeliers, um, everybody's goofy kind of thing. Revival is the most authentic move of God ever. And when he comes in, it's pure and it's holy and it's unscripted and it's undefiled. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a loving call to holiness, no matter where you are in your journey, unsaved, Mm -hmm. saved, pastoring, leading worship, 
leading youth, doesn't matter. Revival comes when he awakens dead hearts back to life. That's it. Plain Absolutely. and simple. Absolutely. I love that. And I love that, that, like you just said, you're keeping it at the core, that conviction, that call back to repentance. But you are seeing signs, wonders, and miracles. That is absolutely incredible. We don't see that in every single church. Sure. You, you've baptized hundreds of people with some very great needs. Are there any that stand out to you? Maybe a specific miracle or a mm-hmm. sign or something that stands out to you personally? Yeah, several, you know, out of 6,800 people. And, you know, our, our team, I want to make sure that everyone knows our team uh, here, the baptismal team, the ministry team, everybody has a part to play. And so it's not just... It's not just one person or one group in the water, man. He Obviously, he's in the water with us. Jesus is there to meet with every individual, every candidate, and all of us. But um, they're all special in their in their own right. They're all special. Mm-hmm. Um, each person that comes into the water, uh, no matter if they need healing for a migraine, if they have you know, some, some vertigo, if they've got scoliosis, if they have stage 4 cancer, you know, the bottom line is every heart needs him. Mm-hmm. The greatest miracle will always be a dead heart that doesn't know Jesus Christ mm. that comes into into alignment with his perfect plan and begins to beat for him through salvation and and, uh, and the born-again process, the renewal process. That is the greatest miracle. That Absolutely. is the greatest need is people need Jesus. People need um, the Lamb of God, the spotless, sinless Lamb of God, to intervene on their behalf because we're not good enough. We'll never be good enough mm-hmm. to make it to heaven. We'll never be good enough. There's only one. And and he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father unless you come through me. And to me, that is the greatest need is people who are uh, away from God, mm-hmm. able to come into a relationship with him through Jesus Christ and to maintain that for the rest of their days, living, spirit-filled burning, passionate lives for the kingdom. And and that's the greatest need. So I know sometimes we get caught up on the manifestations and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the signs, miracles, and wonders. And it happens every service just about here at Christ Fellowship Church here in Dawsonville, home of the North Georgia Revival. But outside of those signs, miracles, and wonders, to me personally, the, the greatest need is when people realize they need a Savior and they accept him in that moment. That is the greatest moment for me mm-hmm. uh, of all of the miracles that we see. Blind eyes are opening, deaf ears opening. That's amazing. Stage four cancer melts away. 50 cancerous lesions in a lady's body from Brunswick, Georgia, comes into our waters, gets baptized. The next day she goes for a PET scan, and they can find no traceable cancer in her body. That's a great wow. miracle. That's a great miracle. That's a healing. That's a, that's a miracle. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, that's awesome. But the greatest is still and will always be mm-hmm. a dead heart that begins to beat for the King of Glory mm-hmm. through salvation. That's that takes the cake. Wow, absolutely, that's absolutely incredible, and I agree with you a hundred percent. You've always taught me, after knowing you for several years, mm-hmm. to pay attention to the details. Mm-hmm. So I've paid attention to the details, and I've watched you during revival services, and I see how every single person, no matter how great the need or maybe how less of a need they might have in that moment, mm-hmm. I've seen how you minister, but you're having a conversation with that person. Every person in the water, you're talking to them specifically and speaking to their need. Sure. For a minister, for a pastor or preacher or whatever that may be listening, how do you minister? How do you pray for that person in that moment? Because I don't know if we're taught that in our 
alter training and in our colleges and schools. Yeah, that's very tough, especially when you're in the water and you've at first, when we began the revival, uh, when God sat down and the revival began in February, it's, it was a little bit easier because you only had, you know, a handful of people getting baptized every night. And so mm-hmm. you could spend a little bit more time with them. But as the crowds grew and the um, attendance, you know, shot out the roof and overflow rooms and, you know, you got a couple of hundred people waiting to be baptized in line, your mind has to go to, okay, we only have a certain amount of hours before we can, you know, that our bodies can endure baptizing mm-hmm. people. And we would average about 25 people per hour baptizing. When you got 400 people in line to be baptized, you can do the math and realize there's no possible way we could stay up for three straight days and baptize people. So mm-hmm. you kind of get time conscious. But at the same, on the same uh, uh, token, Ryan, you got to remember that those people who are getting that water, God, God downloaded them to earth mm-hmm. from heaven, I believe, you know, the Bible says before we were born, before we were uh, in existence on earth, he formed us, he knew us, he created us, he fearfully and wonderfully made us. So I believe we were God sent. There's no mistakes. Absolutely. Seven points, you know, something billion people on planet earth and all the ones who went before us, they were, none were a mistake. Mm-hmm. So if they're not a mistake and, and they were intentionally see, sent here from heaven and they're coming to our revival, our church here at the uh, at Christ Fellowship, and they're getting in these waters, then we have to be um, we have to be kingdom minded enough to know that in that moment God wants to move, mm. and we can't just see them as a number or a letter or a card or next in line. We gotta we we have to balance. Okay, Lord, we know there's 362 people in line trying to be baptized, and we can't take you know 10 15 minutes per person. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know. Lord, we don't want to rush him through like cattle. We, we want to make sure that he has a moment with them. Absolutely. And um, and so my prayer is before I get in the water every Sunday night, Ryan, my, my prayer, and I've shared this with very few people, mm-hmm. but my prayer is always when I sit down in the waters, those 10 or 15 minutes before anybody gets in, any candidate comes, the prayer is always, Lord, your people are coming to meet with you, not a ministry, not a man. Right. They're coming to meet with you. Mm-hmm. And so I just happen to be the man with a microphone. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. Mm-hmm. You're, you're just the conduit the Lord uses right there. You're the bur- burning bush. You're Balaam's donkey. You're just, you know, whatever. A staff in Moses' hand. You're just the tool right right then for the kingdom. And so the prayer is always, Lord, at this moment I die to myself. These hands are yours. My eyes are yours. My feet, my hands, my mind, my tongue. Everything belongs to you. In this moment, Lord, if you want to speak something to these, your people. Mm-hmm then it has to be so abundantly clear that you give me the words to speak to them. Yeah, It's got to be so clear and so um, urgent that I couldn't hold it back if I tried to. Mm. But Lord, if I try to add anything to, this is my prayer every Sunday night, if, if I try to add anything to what you're trying to say, would you let my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth where I couldn't speak it out if it, even if I wanted to? Mm. And so it's just a death to self, and it's saying, hey, Lord, you know we've got several hundred people trying to be baptized, but at the same time, you sent them here to do a work in their life, and we're not going to rush through it. Um, so that's that's probably the toughest part on my end um, of how do you how do you determine you know how long you give each candidate. Um, yeah. But but you know we we miss it time to time. We're human. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line is God, we're going to give you the time that that you want to have with them. And when you tell us to move, we move. When you tell us to stop, we stop. Mm-hmm. But we just want to be led by you, and 
you know, the Bible says the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. So mm-hmm. we just we just remain in that sonship space, and we just stay close to the altar and stay close to the to the throne room. And if you stay close to the throne room, you don't have to shout, you don't have to beg, and mm. all you have to do is listen to the heartbeat and whatever he tells you. You speak it, and when he says move, you move. So hope that answered the question. That is so good. That that very much answered the question. So this is the Millennial Preacher Show. I know we have listeners that are maybe a little older, a little younger than the millennial generation. However, you've spent 18 years in youth ministry. You have raised up a lot of spiritual kids. A lot of those are millennials. They are now grown. What would you say to the millennials if it was your kids that you helped raise up spiritually that may be listening about revival? What about personal revival in their life, in their heart? Yeah, well, the the whole well, two, couple of things there. Uh, one is the stereotype, the stereotypical uh, phrase millennial. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know that's a phrase that's thrown out there. Um, and, and it seems to me at this point, it seems to be all derogatory. You know, every time I hear the word millennial, it's there's something on the other end of it. Like these millennials are feeling entitled or these millennials are lazy. So when I hear that, it's always a derogatory term coming after that. Mm-hmm. And so um, I don't believe that. I don't believe, uh, call them whatever you want. It's never what you call me. It's what I respond to. Mm-hmm. So you can call me millennial. You can call me old-fashioned. You can call me anything you want to. It doesn't matter to me. Yeah. I I just operate in, in, in this mindset of um, what you call me is irrelevant. It's what I respond to that, that matters. And so uh, that millennial thing, we, we've got to get that... Um, canceled out somehow. I don't know if that's even possible. I think it's possible by doing this one thing. And here's one of the answers um, to the millennial um, statement is if I were to speak to a millennial or those who are between the ages of 18 and 35 or whatever the millennial age is now, I don't know what that category is, but I would look at them in the face and I would say, Hey, prove them wrong. Mm. Prove them wrong. You know, let them, let them call you lazy and entitled and all that. Prove them wrong. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not what they call you, it's what you respond to. If you respond as lazy, then you fit the bill. Mm-hmm. If you respond as entitled and you're always entitled, you know, feeling entitled to certain things instead of honored, then yeah, okay, well, you fit the bill. Then you answer to millennial. Mm-hmm. But if you, want to, uh, if you want to discount and discredit that phrase millennial, then prove them wrong. And here's how you have um, a revival in the millennial generation um, is one at a time, personal personal. It is your prayer time when you get along with the Lord and you never look for quality uh, quantity. You look for quality and you, and you get before the Lord and you get, um, as, as Noah was naked and, and not ashamed. You get to the place to where, Hey God, here, here I am in all my strengths and weaknesses, all my inadequacies and where I fail. Uh, but this is me. This is what you created Lord. And so I want to, I'm not going to use that as an excuse as this is the way I am. And you know, I'm born in this certain generation, so I have to be a millennial. No, you don't. Millennial's a mindset. Just like old-fashioned, it's a mindset. Yeah. Just break out of it. Be different, you know. Prove them wrong. And um, uh, But I would say uh, seeking revival for yourself is an awakening of my heart, mm-hmm. and nobody's going to hold me back. And this is the same life that everybody else has been given. This is the same 24 hours everybody else has been given. This is the same seven days a week. The president of the United States, the most powerful man in the world, has been given. Mm-hmm. You just choose to 
invest it wisely uh, to walk in that revival and walk in that awakening and become revival. Mm-hmm. I, I love what, uh, I think it was John Wesley, he said, man, I'm going to get along with the Lord and, and prepare, you know, in, in Scripture and in prayer time, and I'm going to go out and let people watch me burn. Yeah, That's revival, you know. It's never, revival was never for status. Mm. You know, if we're if we're not careful, we'll look at revival here uh, at our church. We'll look at revival that's a personal revival that's happening within us. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we're not careful, we'll start telling about how, you know, uh, how much we read the scriptures now. We didn't used to before and mm-hmm. how much God's using me now. And boy, he just didn't use me that much before. If we're not careful, we will use revival for status. Revival was never meant for status. Revival was always meant for service. Yeah, yeah. Revival is about serving other people. And as a as a young uh, generation, people that we've poured our lives into, 18 years of doing student ministry, um, I, I would encourage people, prove them wrong and never listen to your critics. There's a reason Blind Bartimaeus doesn't respond to Blind Bartimaeus anymore. There's mm. one reason. Because he got healed. Right. Blind Bartimaeus, it doesn't apply to him anymore. He changed, he, he changed the situation. People would say Jesus changed the situation. Sure, he did. But... Would he have responded had Bartimaeus not cried out? Mm. He made a decision. I'm going to change my situation. I'm I'm a stereotype. I'm blind. He's the blind guy. He's the blind guy. He's the blind guy. No, you prove him wrong. You make a call. You make a cry. You make a plea. You go after Jesus, and you say, hey, nothing else matters at this moment but you. And then Jesus steps in and intervenes, and now you're no longer blind. Now you're no, no longer the entitled millennial, the lazy millennial. No, I'm not that. Yeah, wow. I prove him wrong. That's so incredible. Thank you for being transparent and speaking to my generation. I needed to hear that. So kind of shifting gears just a little bit, uh, going into your personal life. So I've had the absolute privilege of serving under you and with you for six plus years. It seems like I just came on board with you yesterday, but, but we, it's been six plus years and I've seen you preach the house down. I've seen you speak directly to people's situations raise up countless spiritual kids like we've already talked about the few, for future leaders mm-hmm. that may be listening to this. How in the world does someone that was once terrified of public speaking get to be what I consider to be a pillar in the kingdom of God? Mm. How in the world did that happen? Well, that's very kind of you to say that. The only problem with a, a, a title or a statement like that is now you've got to live up to it. Uh, a pillar, man, I don't know. All I know is this. Uh, college dropout, you made reference to fear of public speaking. Um, three words, do it afraid. Whatever you do, do it afraid. You may be, you may be fearful to step out and start a business as a, as a, your audience, the millennials are, are maybe just coming out of college or, or getting ready to go into college or um, been out of college for a couple of years and can't find the right job and they're just, they're just, you know, maybe a little bit of afraid to send resumes and to be aggressive and go get it. And I'd say do it afraid. Everything, everything mm. you do, is going to have a certain level of fear to it. People yeah. who say they fear nothing, I fear that they're lying. You know, <laughs> so um, I have great comfort in knowing that anytime I stand up to preach, anytime I stand up to minister, anytime I step in those waters at Christ Fellowship Church every Sunday night, anytime I travel and speak. I have this healthy fear of standing in front of the people and and communicating the kingdom. Mm. You know, I, I said something the other day and it it kind of struck me as like, where did that come from? And then I I found that you know, um, 
it, it's it's very true and very biblical. But what I get to do now, what you get to do, Ryan, when you stand up and preach, anybody else that's out there that stands up and communicates the gospel, we are translators of God. Mm. And so when I went to this Korean church in Maryland, there was uh, some times when I had to use an interpreter. When I went to a church down in Riverdale to a Vietnamese church, I had to use an interpreter. Mm-hmm. And those people had to translate what I was saying to their people in their language so they could understand. That's what we do as ministers. We're translating God. Everything that God's trying to say, we're having to take it all in, and then we're having to translate that. Wow. And so uh, it is a high honor for me to be able to do that, but I do it afraid. Mm. You know, it's it's 18 years of full-time <clears throat> ministry. Um, been walking with Jesus since, you know, 93, 26 years now. I still get nervous. I still, fear still comes in, mm-hmm. but you just do it afraid. And wow. um, the more you do it, uh, I, I would love to say all the fear goes at some point, but that doesn't apply to me. It's, <laughs> it's still there every time I get up to speak. I just do it afraid, and it becomes, um, I don't know if this will make sense, but the fear still comes, but instead of it paralyzing me, it begins to fuel me. Mm. because it, uh, it it causes me to dig into the Word more because the fear of standing up in public speech is a couple of things. One is I don't have anything to say. Mm. Like I haven't studied. I don't have anything to say. So when yeah. I stand up, nothing's going to come out. Yeah, that's, that's a legitimate fear. The other fear is I don't have anything to say. Like I've studied, but nobody's going to listen to me. Mm. I don't have anything to say to them. They're not going to listen to me. That's a fear. Um uh, multiple fears in there but you still you do it afraid and the more you study to show yourself approved and the more you get up it's like I still my hands still get sweaty my knees still shake but when I know that the king of glory is with me and that he has empowered me through his holy spirit I just get up and begin to do it and then he just takes over at some point you know he just hides you behind the cross and and uh, it's still going to be your mouth it's still going to be your words but you're translating God and whatever you put in comes out so just pray and study and make sure that what you're putting in is the right thing and it's um, and it's biblical and it's not some something that you heard from another pastor that you're regurgitating somebody else's message. That's good. Make sure that you got close enough to the throne room where you actually heard the mm-hmm. heartbeat of God inst- instead of, well, what did somebody else hear? Yeah. And then and then who did they hear it from? And I just I'll just translate what they said. Well, you start translating what other people said, then you begin to miss it. Or you may say exactly what they said. And, and they may have heard directly from the Lord. But by the time you say it, there's no personal connectivity to the, to the throne room. And so it takes away the impact on your life. There's multiple times, Ryan, when I'm preaching where I get more out of the message than the people do, I feel. Mm. And it's because I have that, that intimate time with them and you do it afraid and you stand up and you deliver uh, what the Lord's put in your heart. And then when you walk away, you just rest assured and, hey, did the best I could do. That's all I can, that's all I can do. Yeah, you, know, you rest in that. Wow. Wow. Thank you for being so transparent there. Mm -hmm. So you once told me to preach as if it was my very last time ever preaching again. So here we are. If this was your last time speaking publicly Mm -hmm. to whoever may be listening to this, what would you want the take home message to be? Gosh. Last time I get to speak, what would the take home message be? Man, uh, I would think I would say. You got one shot. We have one shot. There's a lot of redos in life. Relationships, you get multiple redos. You break up. You fall in love. You break up. You fall in love. You break up. Then you finally find the one God 
put on planet Earth for you. Um, there's a lot of redos in everything. Re- you can redo in finances. You can, you know, you go go broke, people file, file bankruptcy, and they start over, and they get a new lease on their finances. And um, a lot of redos in life, except for life. Mm. That's it. Once, once you're done on planet Earth, there's no redo unless you're Lazarus. <laughs> but for the most part, um, we got one shot at this thing called life. Yeah. And you mean to tell me out of the billions and billions and billions of people who have walked planet Earth that God put here for us to enjoy and to be used by Him and to be a blessing, you mean to tell me that you're going to go the rest of your life and never attempt anything so big that if God's not in it, you're destined to fail. You mean to tell me you're not going to try anything because you're fearful or you're going to make excuses like, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough resources. Mm-hmm. I'm not smart enough. I'm not skinny enough. I'm not this enough. I'm not that enough. I'm not wealthy enough. I'm not whatever. Whatever the excuses are, there's always going to be an excuse for any situation. You've got to make up in your mind, I've got one shot at this thing called life. I'm going to take advantage of every single day. I'm going to get rid of entertainment. I'm going to start mm-hmm. educating myself. Um, people used to tell me all the time, education is power. No, Holy Spirit is power. Education yeah. just supports that Holy Spirit fire on the inside. So uh, good. Go after the education. Do everything you can to get that education. But the bottom line is, man, we have one shot at this thing called life. I would encourage everybody, if you're listening, I would encourage you, f- find the time. Make the time to get along with the creator of the universe and say, you put me here for a reason. What is it? You got one shot. Go after it with all you've got. Never work for a paycheck. Whatever you do in life, don't do it for the paycheck. Do it for purpose and do it for passion and do it for the people. I believe God's put us here. Yes, he wants to bless us, but I believe God put us here to bless us so that we could be a blessing. So Mm. whatever you do, do it with passion, do it with purpose, and do it for the people, you know. And um, that's it, man. We got one shot. Let's get after it while we can. And yes, then uh, when we stand before Him, we can, you know, if we've done that, if we've if we've done everything that we can do for the kingdom, we'll stand before God and He'll say, "Well done, thy good and faithful servant." Or some of us will slide by and make excuses the rest of our lives instead of making it happen. And we'll stand before God and he'll say, instead of, well done, thy good and faithful servant, he'll look at us and say, well, you're done. Mm. Wow. I don't want that. Absolutely. I want him to say, well done, thy good and faithful servant, enter into the kingdom. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. So you can find out more information about the North Georgia Revival. You can find out about Christ Fellowship Church by going to www.cfchurch.tv. You can have all your questions answered right there. You can find how to contact the church and get some more info. Sunday night revival services start at 6 o'clock. Prayer at 5 o'clock. The doors open at 445. So just like Pastor Marty said, come and get in line. So make sure you get your seat. You don't want to miss this. This is a moment in time, a season of revival that is passing through. Don't miss it. There's something there for you wherever you are. You can also watch live stream services on their website so you can find out more things there. Thank you so much, Pastor Marty, for joining me today. Again, for being so very transparent. I so very much appreciate it. Will you close us out in prayer? Man, it would be my honor. 
Father, I just thank you for this uh, this tool, this avenue, this podcast. I pray your blessings over uh, the millennial preacher. I pray your blessings over Ryan and what he's trying to do for the kingdom and what um, well, the people you're trying to connect him with so that he can, uh, he can be that translator of God to them, that he can bring heaven's best to this audience. I pray for the audience right now, Lord, that you would uh, touch them right there, right where mm-hmm. they are, in that car. Uh, got their earbuds in and they're sitting at the Starbucks listening to this podcast. God, would you arrest their hearts right now? Would you yes. pour out your love? Show them how much you love them. I pray you uh, favor on their lives. I pray you would cause your face to shine upon them. Lord, that you would awaken them with this revival. You would awaken them on the inside, God, that you would touch their hearts, grip their hearts, shake and sift things on the inside, God, and create a shifting moment for them that they could have this epiphany, God, that you put us here for a reason. God, we want to we serve you uh, all the rest of our days, doing our very best for you, God. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who empowers us and gives us the ability to do what we do with boldness and with favor. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Again, thank you so much, guys. Go to www.cfchurch.tv for more information. Until next week, we'll see you later. You've just listened to the Millennial Preacher Podcast with Ryan Roberts. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. Share with all of your friends and family, and we look forward to talking to you again next week. Look for brand new episodes of this podcast every Thursday. Until then, we'll see you later.